Hello listeners, you're welcome to your favorite postcard show, Meets and Legend. This is episode 4 and it is titled Live in Valhalla. I'm your favorite narrator and voice artist, Dominic Ako Idoko. Concerning the mighty deeds and the destinies of the gods, much has here been recounted. Much less concerning their daily life in Asgard, to those of mankind who came into their fellowship. Both Freya and Odin made the heroes welcome. Freya in Fogvan and Odin in Vingolf and Valhalla. We learned nothing, however, as to which of these domains was to be preferred. We have evidence only as to the manner in which Odin and the heroes flitted the time in Valhalla. It would seem that men generally thought of Valhalla as a result of the fallen heroes. There, they passed their days in merits and gladness. Odin himself chose them through the Vakris, and the foremost among them were welcomed by setting a seal. In Valhalla, the heroes amused themselves day by day with battles and banquets. In the morning, donning their armor, they sally upon the field to fight and kill one another. Yet they arise again on harm, sit down to eat and drink, and remain the best of comrades. The heroes are a great company, constantly increasing but their number is never so great that they do not have enough to eat from the flesh of the boar. The cook, named Admirimir, each day boils the boar in a kettle called Edmimir, but at evening the beast is lost as much alive and unhot as before. The heroes drink out and made pulled out of them by the Vakris. Odin alone and those whom he desired to honor drink wine. All the maid that drink runs from the Uda of Hedron, a goat that stands on the roof of Valhalla, cropping the branches of a tree called Lerad. The maid fills a great drinking crook in the hall, enough of it to make all the heroes drunken. Lerad possesses not only the inherent virtue producing all the hurt near. On the roof of Valhalla, there stands also a heart named Ectimer, who gnaws at a tree, and from whose antlers drops fall down into Vegmer, thence flow forth twelve rivers that water the domain of their seal, and in addition, thirteen other rivers. Now let me quickly tell you the story about the corruption in Valhalla. In the morning of time when Asgard and Valhalla were newly built, the gods lived in innocence, happiness and peace. Glad in their courtyard, they played at chess, not of gold lacked out. So runs the description in the Voluspa of this golden age of the Asir. Then came three mighty Fossa, maidens out of Jetinham, and enmity arose between Asir and Vanir. One link in the chain of strife 
was born in Valhalla of a woman named Golvi. Three times the bond it tries on, again and again, yet still she lives. The Asir take counsel together to learn whether peace may still be preserved. Nothing can be done. Odin hauls his spear over the ranks of the enemy, and the first battle of the hosts begins. The walls of the Asir's stronghold are penetrated, and the Vanir pour through the breach into Asgard. Yet eventually, peace is declared between Asir and Vanir. Now, the golden age of innocence is at an end. The gods are compelled to defend themselves against their foes, sometimes by use of guile, as on the occasion when they trick the giant mason. Other giant women, Skadi and Gerd, for example, gain entrance to the dwellings of the Asir, and Asgard's sanctity is no more. A season of tranquility gives way to a season of turbulent warfare, in which the gods, more than ever before, have need of magical weapons. Of the aid of heroes, the gods no longer rule the world as princes of peace. The most eminent of them become gods of war. To this period are to be referred in numerous myths having to do with valorous deeds and guileful practices and the gods fall far short of always winning victory and glory. Corruption extends from gods to men. The divinities of battle, the Valkyries ride forth into the world of mortals, and here, too, peace is accepted and stored. Now the story about the treasures of the gods. Loki's malice was in reality the occasion of the acquiring by the Asir of all the precious weapons and treasures that served them in such good stead during their warfare with the giants. Once upon a time, Loki cut off all of Sif's hair. When Thor found out what had happened, he seized upon Loki and threatened to crush every bone in his body. He relented only on Loki's swearing that he would get the dark elves to fashion for Sif's hair from gold that would know like the hair of other giants. Loki went with his task to a certain dwarf known as the Sons of Vivaldi, and there made not only the hair but also the sheep and the spear near. Loki promptly laid a wager of his own head with another dwarf named Brook. But the dwarf's brother, Sindri, was not craftsman enough to make three other talismans as precious as this. Brook and Sindri repaired to the smelty, where Sindri, laying a pig's hide in the forge, asked Brook to blow the bellows without pause until he himself returned to take hide out again. No sooner had Sindri gone than a fly alighted on Brook's hand and stung him kept the bellows going, nevertheless, and when Sidri lifted his workmanship from the forge, it turned out to be a boa with golden bristles. Next he laid some gold in the forge, axe broke to blow as before and went away. At once the fly came back, settled on Brook's neck and stung him twice as hard as the first time. Brook, notwithstanding, held out until Sindri returned and lifted from the forge 
the gold ring dropped near. Then he laid some iron in the fire and asked Brooke to blow, insisting that the work would be spoiled if the blowing stopped. But the fly came once more, settled between Brooke's eyes and stung him on the eyelid, so that the blood ran down and blinded him. He could not refrain from losing his hold on the bellows while one hand to drive the fly away. Just at that moment, the smith returned and declared that his handwork had been on the very point of coming to naught. He lifted it from the forge and it proved to be a hammer. Giving all three pieces to Brooke, he told him to make his way to Asgard and demand payment of the wager. The Asir took their places on judgment seats and came to the decision that Odin, Thor, and Frey were to judge between Loki and Brooke. Loki gave to Odin the spear Gunnir, which never failed of its mark. To Thor he gave the golden hair, which took root as soon as it was fixed on Sif's hair. And to Frey he gave the sheep, which always found favoring wings, and which could be folded up and placed in the pocket as occasion might before. Brooke gave to Odin the ring dropped near, from which ninth night they dropped eight other rings as heavy as itself. To Frey he gave the boa, who was able to run through the air and over the sea more swiftly than any horse. No night was so black, no murky region so dark as not to be illumined by his passage. So powerful was the light that shone from his bristles. To Thor he gave the hammer, Jonir. With it he could strike as hard a blow as he pleased at anything that came in his way. And yet the hammer suffered not the least dent. He could throw it so as always to hit what he aimed at, and the hammer would return to his hand and of its own power. When he so desired, he could make it small and put it in his pocket. He had but one fault to find. The shaft was rather short. The assail promptly judged that Brooke had won the wager. In Jolnir, they had acquired the very best defense against the Rhine poser. Loki wanted to redeem his head, but the dwarf would not consent. Catch me if you can, said Loki and no sooner had he spoken than he was far away, for he wore shoes that could carry him through the air and over the seas. The dwarf asked Thor to seize him, and Thor did so. Brooke was about to cut off Loki's head, but Loki declared that the wager called for his head only and not for his neck. Brooke then began sewing Loki's lips together. He was unable to make an incision with his own knife but with his brother's owl, he managed to make openings through which he could seal the mouth all tight. And done, he tore out through the leaves the thong and he had used in sewing them together. Now on the rape of Edom. The story has already been told of how the giant Eskadi was received into the society of the Asir and of how injured was given to her as a husband by way of recompense for the mother of her father, Jazz. Loki's wives provided a direct occasion for this event. Once upon a time, Odin, accompanied by Loki and Hymir, 
set forth on a journey that took them across mountains and over wastes where it was no easy matter to find food. At length, on descending into a valley, they caught sight of a drove of oxen. Seizing one of the head, they kindled the fire and began to boil the flesh. When they supposed the meat to be cooked, they took it off the fire, but it was far from done, and they had to let it boil while longer. The same thing happened a second time, so they fell to debating a strange occurrence and wondering what might be the cause. As chance would have it, they were sitting under a tree, and so they heard a voice above their heads saying that he who sat perched in the tree was to blame for the tardiness of their cooking. Looking more closely, they saw an immense eagle. The eagle said that if they would allow it to steal its hunger from the flesh of the ox, the meat would be cooked soon enough. They gave their consent, and the eagle forthwith swooped down and made off with both of the two hinge quarters and both four quarters. Loki became so angry that he picked up his staff and struck at the eagle. The eagle flew away and one end of the staff struck fast to the body of the bed and the other remained fixed to Loki's arms, so that he was dragged over stock and stone till he thought his arm would be pulled from his socket. He begged the eagle for mercy, but was not freed until he had given his promise to steal Eden out of Asgard, and her apple to boot. Not before he had sealed his promise with an oath was he permitted to return to his companions. When they had come back to Asgard and the appointed hour was at hand, he told Eden that he had discovered certain apples in a wood lying beyond the bounds of Asgard. She would no doubt find them worth having, and accordingly she would do well to visit the spot. Taking her own apples along as means of comparison, Eden permitted herself to be hoodwinked, and the eagle promptly came and carried her off. The eagle, none other than the giant Chelsea in disguise, bore her away to his own estate of Tremayhem, where he kept her a long while in durance. The Assyrians soon noticed that Eden's apples were gone, but they grew old and grey and could find no means of renewing their youth. They met in solemn conclave to inquire into the disappearance of Eden, and someone told them that he had seen her walk from Asgard attended by Loki. The gods summoned Loki before the assembly and threatened him with death or die tortures. He became so frightened that he promised to bring Eden back again if Freya would only lend him a falcon disguise. His quest being granted, he flew in the guise of the falcon to Jethinhem and arrived at Tremir at the time when Jazzy happened to be out at sea. Engaged in fishing and Eden was alone at home. Loki transformed Eden into a knot and made off with her as fast as he could fly. But just afterward, Jazzy returned and not finding Eden, assumed the shape of an eagle and set out in pursuit of Loki. Little by little, the eagle gained on the falcon. When the Assyrians saw the two birds drawing near in their flight, they made haste to gather a heap of shavings outside the walls of Asgard. And at the very moment the falcon came inside, they kindled the fire, 
and the eagle was unable to come to a stop before it was directly above the bonfire, its wings bursting into flame. It was incapable of continuing the flight. Thus, they are saved, got justly into their power, put into debt just within the gates of Asgard. Yazi was one of the most formidable of the giants. His father over the wealth was so great that when Jarsi had his two brothers, Edi and Gang, were to divide their patrimony, they were compelled to measure out the gold by mouthfuls. When Jarsi's daughter Skadi came to demand payment of a penalty for the death of her father, she was not satisfied with being permitted to choose a husband. She required in addition, that their seal should make her laugh, something she deemed to be impossible. Loki again was called upon to deal with the emergency, so he played some vulgar tricks with a goat, and she was compelled to laugh in spite of herself. Odin took Kiazi's two eyes and tossed them up into heaven, where they became two stars. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you love our podcast, Please listen to our podcast on Podchaser and don't forget to follow us and leave your review. It will help us to improve on how we entertain you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.